Nah. Let's, not, let, let's not start the podcast. You're not, you're not ready. <laughs> Sam got cold feet, everyone. Welcome, welcome to Cheat Codes Aren't Cheating. I'm Yorkshire Bother. That is Dark, Dark MCR. MCR. And we. <laughs> and, and you're watching Disney Channel. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how you start one. I only listen to one podcast and I don't want to copy it word for word because I have already copied the fact that he plays fucking Sonic Heroes on stream. You know what I mean? I don't want to be accused of cloning myself and becoming him. I'll start speaking in an Irish accent soon. Um, but yes, we've got a few things on the docket today. First one, obviously, the big thing. E3 2023 is cancelled. Sam's happy about it. I'm not. Why are you so happy about E3 being cancelled? Do you not like E3? It's not the fact that I don't like E3. I feel that the fact that we have to wait until a big event like that to hear about any of the new games, it annoys me. The fact that that is like our once a year announcements for all the games why don't you just give us tidbits throughout the year guys like why don't you just give us like the sneak peeks and the trailers and the teasers and stuff like that so that throughout the year we can have enjoyment and and fun and the the, the child inside us wants to burst out and just explode in amazement at the games so Why your, your argument is that your ADHD brain's impatient. Is that is that where we're going? Yeah, I get what you mean, though. I get what you mean. It's like we save up for one day and then we've got a full year until the next round of big announcements. Why can't we have it a steady pace throughout the year so that we can constantly be in a state of, ooh, this is going to come out soon. This is in the works. Yay. But at that same time, we do also get stuff like packs through the year as well, so we're not waiting on one event. But do you not agree that the fact that E3 is the big event of the year, the spectacle around it, do you not think that that's something to look forward to? Because I personally love E3. I think June is normally one of my favourite months of the year because I'm like, E3's coming, I'm going to sit down, I'm going to like give myself three or four hours to sit there, look at the new announcements, and just cream and enjoy myself do you not see it is does it not do it for you is that is that the reason why i think being a brit with e3 the same with pax and everything and twitchcon a lot of these things are hosted in other place uh, other countries and it's not just the fact of the event being live streamed and all of the game reveals and stuff like that e3 was huge because it had everything for every spectrum of gamer you could go there and cosplay you could go there and there would be the booths you could that's my enjoyment from these these little uh festival things it's um it's very much like insomnia that we have in the uk yeah insomnia had a few game reveal stuff going on but most of the time it was the vibe e3 for me has only been a live stream video of what the latest release is so I don't think I, I understand the true hype about it other than just, oh, we've got new games coming out in the next year. See, for me, though, the, the thing I think the reason I love it so much is, like I said, because I love the spectacle around it as well, and it's something for me to look forward to. But I think 
for me, there is nothing better than sitting on the edge of my seat, excited when that deep voice booms and goes, world premiere. And then I'm sat there going, ooh! I'm like a kid at Christmas. I personally think it's awesome. Like, being able to sit there and be like, right, so we've got E3, and then it might be at a late time, but then I'm like, I can sit there and I can devote a few hours the next day and sit and watch them or if i wanted to i could stream it and we could do like live reactions together and stuff like that like personally i quite like that aspect of it because i feel like you can utilize it a lot more whereas when it's just and drip feeding you, you through the year i feel like so much less spectacle to it like don't get me wrong i love drip feeding like you know me the release <laughs> the release the release of jedi survivor i've been following that like a hawk and i've probably watched that trailer about six or seven times a day since it dropped but I don't know. I just feel like I think it was E3 last year when they were. I think it was E3 last year when they released the teaser for Jedi Survivor, and Cameron Monaghan came out on stage with a lightsaber, and there was all that spectacle to that. And I was like, I was just sat there. I was like, Oh my god, this is the best thing I've ever seen in my entire life. And I had I had a great time. But no, I I, I can I can get on board with with your thinking with that, and I, I do see where you're coming from. I think it's one of those most of the time I find out about the new trailers is from like recommended YouTube videos or yeah. the odd occasion where I do sit down. I think it's just the difference between people. I mean, it's a sad thing that it's been cancelled because, as you said, and you and you are one of the people, a lot of people are very happy and enjoy it, like enjoy it, and it's one of their things they look forward to a year. However it's also one of those that it's it's only really the big games that you see there yeah you don't see smaller developers i kind of have to respect nintendo with their direct and stuff more because they do bring out and do show some more indie titles that have been ported over on coming out um rather than the big ones but i, I as again i do understand where you're coming from with it is the biggest spectacle with every game every new release that has a trailer or something to show it's shown there and it's a weekend event it's not just one day it's yeah a couple of days worth of oh this is coming this is coming this is coming yeah so i can't understand that but at the same time, I get where you're coming from about the indie games thing, because I think since... Because I think E3's been a dying culture for a few years now, especially since lockdown and people couldn't do face-to-face. And we've seen the rise of, like, Xbox doing their own events and stuff. And I have noticed with Xbox, because of their Game Pass and their Game Pass partnering with a lot of indie devs, we do see a lot more coverage for indie games. Like, you see showcases that are purely just indie-related. And I do like that. I agree with you on that, because it gives the opportunity for smaller creators to push out there rather than just people like E3. Uh, not E3. E3 is the name of the event. People like EA and Ubisoft and... Um, I'm forgetting the name of every single developer out there. But, like, I get what you mean. Like, them just, like completely taking over the field and his ass crack is on camera and there is now a dog in his room this is beautiful <laughs> but yeah there, no no it's absolutely fine it happens mate. it happens but yeah i i agree with me but the, off the back of this as well like personal preferences on whether we like it or not aside what are your opinions on the knock-on of this in terms of the gaming culture as a whole? Do you think it's going to be a positive for the gaming culture, considering, like you've said, indie devs are getting more out there and people are getting more drip-fed? Do you think it's 
it's a sign of the times that the gaming industry of what it used to stand for is kind of dying. What's your opinions on it? Ah, uh, this is a really big, big thing. Um, yeah. I mean, from a gaming standard across the board, not just conventions, but gaming standard across the board, you are getting less and less games that are great games. There are them. They are out there, and just for example, you've got the likes of Elden Ring. It was voted the best game of the year on a lot of categories from a lot yeah. of people. The only reason that Elden Ring, not to give like shoot it down or anything, Elden Ring was a great game from the the player's perspective, but I think the whole gaming industry has gone downhill substantially. And Elden Ring was only voted best because it was the only game that had been released with zero yeah. bugs. Games don't have to be great anymore. They just don't have to be terrible. Yeah, it's it's like... I'm not saying that Jedi Survivor is going to be a bug-filled mess because it probably won't be because Jedi Survivor was great. But Elden Ring, in its own right, was a really good game. And it it completely decimated the entire Twitch gaming space. But you look at the games that also came out around the same time; they were bug filled, and then they 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 got hyped up, and then they died. It's the same yeah. with E three. You you half what percentage of those game reveals are going to be polished and optimized and work perfectly well? Yeah, on release day. Because Elden Ring, it 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 smashed, and well, I'm, the, I'm yet to play it. Well, this is the thing: is like Elden Ring. It says a lot about the gaming market as a whole, where games from FromSoft, which have always been niches, have never really excelled in awards and stuff, because the fan base who play them are so small of a percentile in comparison to the wider gaming community mm. that that's dominating at gaming events because it's the only one in there that isn't diabolically shit. It's like the latest yeah. Assassin's Creed. I think especially made a lot of Ubisoft titles recently. The ditch the ditch of linear systems to go more non-linear. So the story's taking a backseat and stuff. It's purely advertising gameplay, which as much as I like the gameplay of stuff like Assassin's Creed and Far Cry, it's very cookie-cutter of what's come before. Um, but then on top of that, they're flooding them with microtransactions, which I feel like a lot of games, we've kind of seen the death of microtransactions. are kind of taking a backseat more like in comparison to where they were probably three or four years ago. But um, I do feel like the fact that, like I said, Elden Ring taking, taking awards home and stuff in a gaming event where previously stuff like Dark Souls would have been a niche and probably would have been overlooked for that reason does reflect a lot and the only the only time that actually got any sort of contender against it in terms of big triple a titles was probably when sony dropped god of war ragnarok because again it's another polished title no microtransactions it's a solid story solid gameplay solid graphics it's everything yeah. good about the gaming industry whereas everything else that surrounded it is mediocre gameplay on par average graphics mediocre stories because people are starting to go on, on go, go on the backseat with storytelling and stuff which personally for me as someone who loves my rpgs like witcher and cyberpunk and stuff like that i love my narrative driven games 
And fair enough. I was yes. I grew up on narrative-driven games. I grew up on shit like Sonic Heroes, you know what I mean? Which the story was very much crap, as was the gameplay, as was the graphics, but it was stupid and fun. But then to look at, like, the industry come through where you've had stuff like Dragon Age and you've had stuff like, like I said, the Witcher series and you've had the Telltale games when they took the world by storm, especially stuff like Wolf Among Us that they released. Story's yeah. so important. So the fact that we've had these games that have come with story, but the story's been half-assed, and then you've had a game like Elden Ring where no one really... Unless you're, like, really into it and you go and search the lore, no one really cares about the story. It's all about the gameplay. And the gameplay yeah. in Elden Ring, it's good, but it's nothing amazing. The only satisfying thing of it, in my opinion, is the fact that when you beat a boss, you feel fucking amazing. Um, yeah. I just feel like the gaming industry as a whole, like you said, is kind of it's on the downhill and that's why E3 is bad because it's like there's nothing to show anymore no the, 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 the fact is E3 before used to be the place that you'd see all of the, the, the teaser trailers the announcement trailers it used to be the only place it hadn't hit the internet anywhere the only place the only reason that you'd know that something may be coming up is either a hacked account at one of the big places and then the data mining and stuff from that nowadays you know about the game you know exactly what's going to be there you know exactly what announcements are coming you just get to see more of that announcement yeah from from a whole i think the cancellation of e3 it will probably have a knock-on effect with um the other events will probably yeah. have a cancelled packs at some point in the future however my honest opinion is it's a big part of the gaming culture having these trade conventions with the big developers there to show off their games and stuff and i think if we lose them to all together post pandemic where they saw they didn't have to hire the big venues and stuff i think it will be a drastic loss to the gaming industry not only from the company's point of view, which may rely on going there, having a booth, showing off their game and getting the exposure that way. Um, I think it will also be from the consumer market, sort of like you and I that would attend these events, that yeah. go there to view it. Us, us gamers, we don't particularly go on holidays, but when we do leave the house and go out and stuff, it's to these conventions, it's to these things, because it's part of our life, it's part of our enjoyment and our culture. And if they dif disappear off the face of the planet, it's going to be a sad loss for, for yeah. gamers. Because I do feel like, because obviously we do get events and stuff, like we get the Nintendo event, and we get, I don't know if that's in person, I think the Xbox event's in person, so if you can attend that. But I feel like the attitude towards it's different because I know obviously with E3 it was organised by people who love games to bring gamers in. They can have a great time. Like you said, a whole weekend of it. You can cosplay. There's all them different booths and stuff there. And there's a lot more to it than just the trailers. Whereas I feel like stuff like the Xbox event and the Nintendo event, they feel a lot more corporate. Like I feel like it is definitely just, we are the company. This is our product. We want you to buy it. Whereas before it was, hi, we're E3. Come and enjoy what you love. There's some trailers there if you're interested, but we have so much more on offer. And I feel like that dynamic's kind of switching now. And I know it's gaming. the gaming industry's always been a business, but it feels a lot more business forward now than it used to to me. I don't know if that's just because I'm getting older, 
but I don't know what how you do you feel the same or what's your opinions on that? I I would agree on that. So don't get me wrong, when I'm watching the Nintendo Direct and the Xbox event, I am on the edge of my seat for it. But I'm not on the edge of my seat to the extent that I would be watching the game trailers and the announcements at E3. Say I was in that big hall with all of the big developers showing off their new stuff. I I like the Nintendo stuff. And as I said, I am on the edge of my seat. However, it's not got the same on the edge of my feet feel at the at the, at the end of my seat feel. Um because you don't know what you're going to get with Nintendo, yeah. as you said, you know it's going to be a Nintendo product released on Nintendo or yeah. a port that's coming to the Nintendo. You know where you stand with it. Xbox, you know that Xbox are it's Microsoft, it's from uh, Bethesda, it's all the other places. You <laughs> just hear your dog. Your dog's got very strong opinions on E3. Yeah. Yeah, it really does. He, he's like, fuck the lot of them. Just give me a gravy bone and a YouTube video, and I'm happy. That's probably better than half the content we get nowadays, isn't it? Yeah. It's 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 one of those. Yes, it's corporate now, and it's sad that it's going more individuals are doing stuff and not these big events. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, my, my, my viewpoint is if we do lose E3 and PAX and Insomnia and all the gaming conventions, it's going to be a big loss for the gaming industry. Yeah. Not only from bringing small communities, because I think when you look at E3 and PAX and stuff, and even to TwitchCon, it's not just about... One sec. No, it's fine, mate. I'm sorry. I'll leave it in your capable hands for a moment. <laughs> so while Sam's gone, I will address chat because it, I need to fill this space. Um, don't worry. Uh, we're hoping that all these disturbances won't be a pattern going forwards. It's just it's the first day of doing it. We've got some teething issues. Sam's got some personal stuff on as well. But I know that I can... What I'm, what I'm reading here is Maze is really riled up because he very much likes Elden Ring. He's a very big Elden Ring fan, and I am too. I kind of get it. My sister's saying that Sam can have her copy of Elden Ring because she shit at it. Unfortunately, Sam doesn't have a PlayStation. He only has a PC. He can't steal your copy. However, I would love to see him play Elden Ring because I think it would be hilarious. Um, But... Yeah, I, I, I'm with you, Maze. Elden Ring, I, what Maze is saying for you, for the listeners is he's saying that one of the main benefits of Elden Ring is the fact that it gives you hundreds of ways to play and you can really tailor your playstyle to what you want. And honestly, I agree. I'm very, I'm a basic bitch when it comes to them sort of games. I go with the tried and tested, I go what I love. It's the same with stuff like Skyrim and stuff in the past. I've never really been one to use magic, even though the magic's always overpowered in every game ever because that's what magic is. Um, so I get that in the sense that there's so many different ways to play that there, there is something for every gamer there, even if it is a niche and even with that difficulty. Um, and that that's absolutely understandable. I fully, fully, fully support what you're saying there. Uh, he does have a lot of content, a lot of stuff to do. And Felix is saying that he sticks to what he likes and indie developers. And again, I feel like indie developers, because 
there's no corporate side to an indie developer. I know they're still trying to make money, they're still trying to run a business, but indie developers are very much more in tune with what the normal gamer wants, I feel. It's not about stocks and shares and target deadlines and stuff like that. It's about this is a game we want to make because we think it'll be cool and we think people will like it. This is the sort of like where when we want to release it. Might get delayed. It might not. For example, um Concerned Ape who made um Stardew, he thought he thought to himself, I know it'd be cute, a little sixteen uh, bit top down farming game. We'll put a bit of action in the mind there for anyone who wants to fight stuff, but it's not essential. You can just if you really want to, you can just plant your turnips and live the best day ever. And that's why that game's such a hit, because people want stuff like that, and especially cosy games. I don't feel like you get a lot of AAA cosy games anymore. Which is a shame. I know Xbox is releasing one this month, some Arcadia, I can't remember what it's called. Um, this is the most informed I've ever heard you be about anything. I am prepared today. Um, but it's one of them where I feel like the industry has sort of shifted. Like I said to Sam before he had to vanish. I do feel like um, the industry is becoming a lot more corporate and in turn with that, the consequences of that are that the style of game we're getting, they're trying to streamline stuff so you'll notice there's a lot more copied assets in games now. I mean, I know there was before, but that was due to file size, this is due to pure laziness. Um, a lot of cookie cutter, like I said, cookie, cookie cutter gameplay, cookie cutter maps. Um, the move away with a lot of industries, especially Ubisoft, Ubisoft are the worst for it at the minute, moving away from that linear story um, framework to a more non-linear experience where it basically becomes side quests. Again, personally, that doesn't work for me. I know a lot of people love them, like Watch Dogs Legion. I'm not going to dispute it. That game is fun to play, but because there's no story to keep me gripped, once I get bored of the gameplay, there's nothing keeping me there, which is a shame because I would love to fully put um, Legion Fruits Pace and beat it and finish it all, but un I don't like the main story because there isn't a main story in the grand scheme of things. I love the Bloodlines DLC where they added Aiden Pierce because it brought that story aspect back, but it was the same with um, Watch Dogs 2. They still had the overarching story, but again, it was one of them. It was the same what they did with uh, Far Cry 5 and 6, which was you go and you do these things and... Once you've done so many of them, you get a story anchor in the game that progresses something. It doesn't really progress the world. It doesn't really progress your levels or anything because you can do it in whatever order you want. But it's there and it sort of goes, oh, by the way, we'll give you a bit of story now. And I feel like it's the same with Far Cry 6. However, Far Cry 6 was just more of the same. It's just I didn't really find the world that interesting. So I moved back to Far Cry 5. My only shame, the only shame for me there with Far Cry 6 is I wanted more story because Giancarlo Esposito is the big bad. And I bloody love Giancarlo Esposito. I think he's one of the most beautiful human beings in the world. And whenever he's on screen, it's a delight, even in video game form, because it is his face and it is his voice and it tiny mannerisms to get right. His screen presence on anything, that man could literally be selling me milk and I'd be scared. Um... I'll wait. We are, we are going to go into another topic in a minute. I'm just going to wait for Sam to get back. Um, so what's your guys' opinions in chat? We'll take some chat feedback. Um, what's your guys' opinions on E3? Do you think it's a good thing that it's gone and we're going to, like, more sectioned-off areas? For like, I know Xbox are getting their own. I don't know if Sony's getting their own this year. I don't think they are, because I don't think they've got much to offer. They've got a lot in the pipeline. 
nothing actually coming yet. I believe Ubisoft's doing their own event. Um, Nintendo, I believe they've already had theirs. Um, what's your guys' opinion on? Do you think this like different format of having each section do their own events is a good thing? Would you rather have E3 back where you've got this big spectacle in June, you can look forward to it, you can sit there and, and watch for three hours and see all the new stuff that's coming and get excited? What are your guys' kind of opinions on it? Um, because I'm just having a look. Is there... Um, do you think some of the games are trying to hide how lacking their games are by trying to add attach a celebrity to them? I think that's a very good point. I do think the use of cameos in gaming is being used more as a selling point. Like, I do think that for all I love Cyberpunk, I do think that they used Keanu Reeves as a selling point to hide the fact that on release the game wasn't brilliant. Um, we will be coming back to Cyberpunk at some point, I know, because I know Sam's obsessed with it at the moment, so I won't talk too much in Cyberpunk because I don't want to repeat myself and just, like, deafen you guys. But I do think that, like, for example, I think was it Advanced Warfare Call of Duty where they added uh, Kit Harrington, the guy who played John Snow in Game of Thrones, he added him to it. And again, I feel like that was a kind of thing. I feel like sectioned off areas could be better, to be fair. More events means more excitement during the months. That's a very good point. I do get where you're coming from there. Um, welcome back. I'm just going through some of the chat's opinions. So we've had, uh, Sarah's just said, I want to get your opinion on this, see if you agree with me. She said, do you think that some games are trying to hide how lacking the games are? I just dropped my vape then. I'm glad I caught it so it didn't clatter. Uh, she says, um, do you feel like some games are trying to hide how lacking the games are by trying to attach a celebrity to them? Because we were just talking about Far Cry 5 and uh, 6 even and Giancarlo Esposito. Do you feel like some games are doing that? Because I know Advanced Warfare did that. That was pretty shit. And they attached Kit Harrington as the villain. Same with Infinite Warfare with Kevin Spacey. What's your opinions on that? Um, I think, yes. They're... When you look at it, you look at games like... The games that have flopped and haven't done too well. Like the Call of Duty Advanced and Infinite Warfare. And they attached big names hoping that they would be the selling points but then the story was lackluster because they were relying on the celebrity aspect. But you do have games out there that really did work well, like um, Far Cry 3. I will always be in awe because of Voss's character and the, yeah. the actor that actually played him. Um, the same with... Uh, and it's gonna, it's happening right now, mate. I'm telling you now. It's I happening told right you now. this was going to happen. Cyberpunk 2077 with Keanu Reeves. Cyberpunk, yes. <laughs> but um, in, okay. the same, I mean... in the same aspect, though, do you think they focused a lot on the fact that Keanu Reeves is in it to hide from the fact that on launch the game... Because let's face it, the game's brilliant now. I love the game. I, I've always loved the game anyway. And obviously you love it now. Do you think they covered Keanu Reeves a lot more to hide from the fact that on launch that game was abysmal? I don't think they used Keanu Reeves as a as a hiding tactic, but I do think that when it launched and it died, they Keanu Reeves was used as the poster child, like, oh, come on, guys, it's Keanu Reeves in the game. Yeah. And I think that they really used the John Wick because the announcement for it was around the same time as John Wick 1. Yeah. So they seeing the big success that John Wick One was, and now we're what oh, we've just finished the fourth movie. So I think Force just dropped, hasn't it? Or oh, it's dropping yeah, soon. With, with potential more happening in the future, I think 
it it was good to have Keanu Reeves' character being a badass in the game. And it was good to have Keanu Reeves as the poster child for the game. But in some ways, yes, once it once it first released, they kind of hoped that Keanu Reeves could keep the hype and momentum and people playing while it was a complete buggy mess. But this day and age, it's freaking brilliant. Yeah, he is amazing now. But, but as Felix says, the fact that it had Keanu Reeves, yes, it was unnecessary. They could have created a completely brand new person that you fell in love with. Like, for instance, Jackie. In the very beginning of the game, you meet Jackie. That is a character that I built a bond with from the moment we started interacting. And that, to me, feels better for the gaming industry. Building up a character, uh, a rapport with a character that is brand new to the space. It's not based on anyone. It is a complete brand new character. And you're like, well, that character build and development and stuff was freaking incredible. Yeah. But I think the thing with Keanu you- Reeves always, I don't think it's, uh, they don't want you to build that same relationship you did with Jackie. Like they've said in interviews, the reason they made Johnny Silverhand, Keanu Reeves' character, such an asshole in that game is because he's such a beloved person. They were like, we need to you balance to, it out. Want- you, Which it, he's, he's one of those characters that you love to hate because it's Keanu Reeves. Yeah, but we're, see, we're seeing that again now with the... Because obviously they've got the uh, Phantom Liberty DLC coming out. They're now they're hooking onto the fact that Idris Elba is one of the lead side characters in the Phantom Liberty DLC. And my concern is, have they blown their entire budget on Idris Elba like they did with Keanu Reeves? And is it going to be unpolished again when the DLC comes? Because I know RPGs have their issues, every DLC. Witcher was the same, another CDR, CDPR project, which... You know me. I love Witcher. I've got the tattoo on my arm. But them games, when they come out, they're buggy. And they are, and that's that's fine. Games have bugs, especially in today's age. At least it's not another Oblivion or Fallout New Vegas. Fallout New Vegas, I can't even finish because there's bugs in there that they've never patched. You know what I mean? But do you worry it's the same thing again? I I think the fact that they're they're, they're, they're clawing into... um, Idris Elba for the DLC I think it's a bad move and I believe it's kind of the way that the gaming industry is going with developers they are crutching on the biggest names because obviously Idris Elba was in the in the forefront when the James Bond talks were going on yeah Idris Elba was the guy at the front of the list that everyone was going yes please yes please yes please and now and then he did his DC thing with um, Blood. Uh, was it Bloodspot? Was his name Bloodspot? In DC, yeah, because like so he was, was, yeah, was, was in Suicide Squad, wasn't it? The Suicide Squad, yeah. Um, I, I think they're just clutching in or getting their claws into these celebrities, hoping that they're going to do well. Um, I did have another point to make. Oh, the the, the bugginess of these games and stuff. It's a, it's a whole different conversation that we can have. But back in the day when you, with the older generation of games, we're talking the original Half-Lives and Left 4 Deads and stuff. Yes, there were bugs, but there was considerably less bugs. And they got, yeah. the, the games got released with a good, healthy game, not yeah. a buggy game. And 
if you had a look at the teams of uh, developers behind it, you're finding more and more games are coming out with more and more bugs because there's no testing team in all yeah. industries and in all development studios. There used to be a team dedicated to testing and then they'd put it out to actual gamers that would actually test it and bug test it for people. Now it's just in-house testing who play an hour and go, yeah, that's all right. It's that and it's streamers. And don't get me wrong, it's great to have the games being shown as early alphas and closed betas and stuff like that. But you're giving it to streamers that, and I may get a lot of fucking hate for this. You're giving it to the top 1% of streamers. These streamers are literally, they don't particularly care about your game or your product. I'm not saying for the entire of that 1%, but majority of them, they do not care about the game. Yeah, They care that it's been so hyped up that it's going to lead them to getting more views and taking over the Twitch platform because everyone's going to be in that category watching that new game that's in closed beta for the week. And when you really look at it, they're not reporting the bugs. They're just playing the game. And yeah. you're using these people as your test subjects, whereas there are going to be a lot of people, whether they're on a streaming platform or whether they're just individuals, that try and sign up for these things, get rejected, but they've been a, a, a beloved member of the, 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 that game's community. They love it wholeheartedly, like, like for yourself with the Witcher franchise. You've got a fucking Witcher tattoo because you love it. Like, there are p other people devoted to other franchises with that much passion and raw like roaring energy for the, for the games that you're giving, you're giving the likes of XQC and t uh, Disguised Toast and all the big corporations and all the big streamers on both YouTube, Twitch, Kick. Now, I don't know who's big on Kick. Is there anyone big on Kick? I think, I think it's um, just Sneeko and that's it. I think he's all on his turn over there. <laughs> but I feel but like they... I, I oh, you go think, first, mate, sorry. I, I genuinely think that not only do game companies need to stop relying on big celebrity for uh, celebrity people and using that as the crutch to sell copies of their games... Yeah, well, well, on the back of that, Sarah's just said in chat, and she makes a very good point, the Lords of the Fallen reboot used Joseph Quinn in their first trailer right after Strange Things Season 4 dropped. Now, because of Joseph Quinn and his standing in the, in the geek universe and everyone loving him, I feel like a lot of people have forgotten just how shit the first Lords of the Fallen actually was. <laughs> Everyone's super hyped for this game, and I'll admit, I've fallen for it too. I am a victim. But then when you go back and play the old Lords of the Fallen, you sit there, he's really not good. It's not good. It's Gears of War with wizards and it's shit. It's it's not a good I... time. <laughs> it's, a, it's a huge topic to go on about because we could start the conversation of remastered games and are they a good thing for the industry. That is a whole broad, like thing that maybe we discuss in this one maybe we discuss in the next one yeah. i don't fucking know but that would be a good point for us to only enough we've got two more remaster about. stories coming up today so we might come back to the remaster topic at some point that's very likely also 
I've also forgotten about the Google Docs notes thing that I literally got set up and I'm like, oh my God, I've forgotten about it already. <laughs> well, to be fair, so far we haven't needed it. However, we might find a use for it. We might hit a point of thinking, shit, we actually, this is actually really, really useful. But uh, 40 minutes in, we've not needed it so far, so I think we're doing okay. Um, oh no, we're definitely doing okay. But I do um, think, I do think with the whole... Um, yeah, I had a really good point to make, and it's just gone. I was going to talk about like the industry changing, like I said before, and moving away from what we were to what we are now. It was to do with the game testing. I do feel like before, because obviously now video games are a bigger industry than TV and cinema. It's the biggest media industry out there because it's so much less of an, a niche community now. It's, it's There's something for everyone. And back in the day, yeah, they did have them little game testing teams where they'd send them out to gamers, and it was their job to find the bad things because if they didn't find the bad things, they've not done a good job. Whereas now, like you said, they send them out to the big streamers for media and coverage and stuff like that. They send them out to streamers that have large communities and it's probably going to affect the sales. And that's what it's all about. It's not a, the question. The, the goal of achievement isn't, did you find bugs? It's a, how many sales did you get us? And I do feel like that's the issue yeah. because not only is it a profit for the company, playing these new games is a profit for these streamers. It's a business for them as well. And I feel like a lot of them are too scared to say anything bad because we've seen it in the past. So people like Angry Joe, when he gives a bad idea, uh, a bad review about a game and he gets blacklisted from getting any more copies of them. And that can affect, affect, that can affect a streamer's, uh, it can affect, it can affect a streamer's whole revenue because if they're not getting these big games from devs because they've been blacklisted, that's going to affect their own income. And I think that fear of being alienated by the industry for giving an honest review and telling people no don't buy this game because it's a mess isn't hell isn't healthy for either side personally i don't, I don't think it is no. i would rather this no, sit there no, and go it's sure. got good things like my mate nick got a, a pre-release copy of back for blood and he said i do have to let you all know i have been given a copy i like it it's fun but I, and that yeah, was what I we think, need. I, we need more of that. I, I think we need to... I, I think with game developers in this day and age, following on from your, your comment, um, <sighs> game developers need to stop using these crutches of the big streamers for sales and stuff and actually, actually stop silencing the people that they are use, using to uh, promote their product. If you've got a streamer that has 2,000 viewers on Twitch and you give them a key, they are not going to say a bad word about your no, game not. unless they are the 1% of those top streamers that you've given a key to because they want to make the revenue from the game so that they don't cut any ties with that, com that game developing company for future releases of future games. So they're not going to say boo to a goose, which is not good in our space, in the gaming space, because people need to be saying boo to a goose. Yeah. And, do, and, and actually getting the, the gamers involved a lot sooner, not just once there's an alpha stage, but bring in a couple of people in. Like if there's a, a YouTube creator or a, uh, a Twitch streamer that is mass, uh, is really big on... The Witcher, say. We'll just use The Witcher because it's a really big game. Are you, are you trying to get me jobs here? Is this is this where we're going? 
Maybe. I may be <laughs> trying to do you a solid here. Um, but no, like with CDPE, I can't even remember what the fucking letters are for CDPR. the CD projects. Yeah, that's the one. Um, I think for them, if they brought in the people that have the passion for the game and just sat down in a session and were just like, look, we understand that you like the game. What do you think was good from the last one and what do you think was bad from the last one? Tell us what your thoughts are. We will take it away and we will listen to the gamers that play the games and enjoy the games, implement stuff and remove stuff that may be good or may be bad and create a game because gaming was made for people to enjoy and gamers uh, when you look at the the origins of all of these game developers they were game developers that were gamers making games for gamers nowadays they're corporations making games for money off the back of the gamers yeah if they if they if they just started the the, the process differently if they used the smaller people, the people that have oodles and oodles of passion, like I'm going to be honest, when I look at your streams and stuff, you have such passion for the games that you play and you will slate it if it's bad or slate a certain mechanic within the game. Like what the hell are they thinking putting this in or why the hell is Gwent not, acting in the way that it's acted in all the others because they've changed the rules. I'm a little bit obsessed with Gwen, I must admit. I know you are. I know you are. <laughs> to be fair, I, I didn't... That was just like me coming out with... with stuff that it just goes to show I know you. But developers, one, need a good team of testers. They need to be bringing on the passionate gamers into the space and having the conversations with the smaller people Stop relying on these big, big, big content creators and streamers because they are only out for money. Yes, it's it's one of those things. The corporations make money. The streamers make money. You're going to make more money if your game's polished and it's actually got the stuff that the gaming community wants, not just that yeah. 1%. I mean, I'm just going to throw it out there. You take someone that does just chatting for eight hours a day stream-wise and they're a partner with like 50,000 viewers and you then give them a, ga a, a game key for a game, they may be an avid gamer off stream, but on stream, they are just a just chatting person, someone yeah. that just talks to chat for eight hours. And you've given them a key to a game that in most senses, you probably do not give a flying fuck about, but because you're big, they've given you a key. Yeah, but you see the polar opposites of that as well, though, with, especially with indie devs. Like one of the games I played last year, which I really, really loved, it ended up being one of my favorite games of the year was The Last Hero of Nostalgia, which was a Souls-like made by an indie dev, all about satirical humour in regards to the gaming industry. I applied for a key with them, and they said, you know what, with your followage and your um, average views, we probably won't give you a key, but we can ask anyway. And one of them turned around and said, look, we've had a look. We've seen some of your content. The passion you have for the games and the passion your community have for the games that you play, that's what we want. And it's like that is a complete polar opposite to where a lot of the main industry is because otherwise, like you said, you see these corporates who don't really take a gamer's perspective, they take a corporate perspective, which is why you saw people like 
EA, who, especially Bioware even, who have always been known for making outstanding single-player RPGs. But then they got corporate. They made Inquisition, which flopped. They made Mass Effect Andromeda, which flopped. And then their view, rather than looking at them games and going, right, what have we made in these games that are shit? They just went, oh, well, gamers don't like single-player games anymore. Which is completely the polar opposite of what gamers want. Gamers, it's so bad because gamers, we, we were brought up on the single player games. Multiplayer was for me and you, at least for me and you multiplayer was a, a a foreign concept until you met the stages of like this xbox 360 and playstation yeah. 3 well, I would thing, say. the only time i really played multiplayer was i remember as a kid i used to go around to my mate's house because i used to spend i used to uh, stay at my grandma's a lot because both my parents worked and he was over the road he had the original xbox with um two controllers i'd go around there and my first experience of multiplayer gaming was like sitting with him and playing halo 2 that was a special occasion my bread and butter was single player games and i think that's the same for a lot of people until like unless you were someone who could regularly access LAN parties but when LAN parties were around i was still a child man i'm i'm only 24 i'm still a ben you know what i mean but so i didn't really get a chance to access the sort of LAN party culture because by the time i was old enough to get into that like you said the xbox 360 was there i was more onto online gaming but I wouldn't say that's ever been like, there's never been a precipice where online gaming's took over. I certainly like my multiplayer games, but you give me a single player game any day and I'd sit down and play it. See, that that's the same for me. Like, my first involvement of multiplayer was Halo 3 multiplayer online, and I loved it. And don't get me wrong, I still love multiplayer games, but get I'm 27 now, and Gamer Rage is a thing. I'm just going to be honest, Gamer Rage is a thing. And I used to play a shitload of Apex and Fortnite and Call of Duty and then Call of Duty multiplayer, like Warzone and multiplayer. Yeah. But I kind, I, I will still play those games, but I've lost the love for them. What I want now is a good single-player game that is going to eat up like yeah. hundreds of hours. And I will use the, I will use the example of Skyrim. When yeah. Skyrim first dropped... I remember I remember being in a small town um, with my mum and my sisters. They were getting their eye tests done, and there was a game store right across from the Specsavers. I remember my mum dealing with my sister's eye appointment and stuff, and I was like, I'm going to go over to game, and I'm just going to have a look at all the games. Yeah. Skyrim, an entire wall, like two metres by about three metres of a wall, was there with Skyrim branded. I was looking around, but I'd always go back to Skyrim. And I remember my parents, well, at least my mother, going, okay, come on, we're going. And I pleaded and begged my mum, can I have this for Christmas? I promise to you and to dad, if you get him on the phone, that I will play the absolute hell out of this game. And it was the first game that under the pretense that I wasn't to play it once and then just put it in the bin because it was a brand new game and we were a small family of, no, quite a large family on a small income. It was a real treat. And I promised them I will play the absolute shit out of this. And Skyrim is the only game that I have done four full playthroughs of doing everything 100%ed 
do, doing it different ways. I literally lived on that game for about three years on my Xbox 360. And I, I, I treasure the fact that there's games like that coming out, but they're so thin and far beyond, uh, far yeah. between that you take the Call of Duty original games and their single players and they were revolutionary. I mean, let's be honest, Modern Warfare 2 multi uh, single player, the campaign of it, heartbreaking. I feel like the whole trilogy packed. of original Modern Warfare games was amazing. Like I could sit there still today knowing what's going to happen and play from COD 4 all the way through to Modern Warfare 3 and just story and still sit there yeah. and every twist, every turn, every big fight sequence, I could still sit there and be like, you know, this is so satisfying. Yeah, but you then look at the newer Call of Duty games and the campaigns have got shorter and shorter yeah. with less less gripping content within them. And you now got six hours of single player and the rest has been focused on multiplayer. Yeah. Now I understand from a corporate view, multiplayer is where it's at. You put your microtransactions and your loot boxes and shit like that on and your custom skins and that's how you make your money for giving it for a cheap price or free in Warzone's perspective. But I really do think that single-player game... There, there needs to be more single-player games coming out. I've, the fact that I've only just started playing Cyberpunk, what, a year or two after its release? I think it's going on three years now. I think it was 2020 it dropped. Yeah. When three did it drop? I'm release. curious, actually. Should we have a look? It released... December 2020. It's three years ago. So three years of a game being out and I've only just started getting to it and you you primarily are the one that knows how fucking hyped I am to play oh, this yeah. game we've I, sat in a discord call for the last two days and the last two <laughs> days have been me for about 8 to 12 hours each day playing this game and I feel no further forward in the storyline and the plots and everything than I was when I first started because there's such a range of open world goodness. Well, that's the thing. That's like, what... I'm still that hooked on it, and I'm not the one playing it to the point where I went to bed, mute, joined back to the Discord call, muted, and turned everyone else down and just sat just to watch Sam play it because it's that fun of a game. And I know a lot of people have their opinions of it. A lot of people were burnt at the start by how bad it was, and they've not rebuilt that bridge. I get that, people. People are allowed to feel that way, but... I feel especially with edge runners breathing new life into the game, and I feel mm. like that was the best move they could have done. My own That's the thing. I... It's it's insane. We've got love for characters in a game that they were never actually in. Yeah, the the, the fact that the Netflix show came, I I didn't touch the game. I didn't buy it. I didn't look at it. I've tried to stay away from it because it was so buggy and filled that I didn't want that disappointment. Yeah. When Edge Runner then released on it uh, on Netflix. I watched the shit out of that and I got so attached to each character from that game, uh, from that anime. And then it, re it refilled my love for the game. And then it made me want to play it again. And three years down the line, I finally bought the fucking game on Steam and I've installed it. And literally in the last two days, I've played... Let's see if I can do this without my computer completely breaking down. How many hours have I played it so far? You're looking at over 20 hours, I imagine. Already. I, I would, Surely. Okay, I'm at 16 hours. 
But you're pushing 20 then, and that's in two days, which, considering how often you actually play games and get time to play games, that's impressive. Yeah, that's like two full days of me going to work for eight hours a day just on just Cyberpunk. You're basically playing it full time in the grand scheme of things. Yeah. But we have got so many topics to hit, and we are already at nearly yeah, at the hour let's mark. Move, let's move on. So I'm going to skip one of them and i'm going to go from one game that releases a buggy mess and a flop to another forspoken's uh, got a dlc coming who saw that coming not me um so forspoken's got a new dlc coming called intanta we trust it's coming in may i'm surprised because <laughs> the game didn't exactly have the warmest reception when it dropped the the graphics were mediocre i've seen comparisons of it next to assassin's creed unity a game that also got its fair share of hate when it released and unity's got better graphics which considering this is a, a full price ps5 exclusive it blows my mind um the dialogue's corny no one gives a shit about the characters the gameplay until you get about halfway to three quarters of the way through the game the gameplay is boring apparently i've heard as well somehow they've pulled off a dlc What's your opinions on that? Do you think that's a waste of money? Do you think they're going to regret it? Do you think they're trying to force like force it with DLC thinking the DLC will save it? A bit like couples struggling and having a baby to repair the relationship. I feel like this is what Sony have done with Forspoken and a DLC. That's the best analogy I can think of. What's your opinion? You're currently Googling what Forspoken is because you probably have no idea because it's that shit. I... I, I, I... To be fair, that is that is one hundred percent honest and true. I have no fucking idea what Forspoken is. I think I may have seen a trailer or so, but one because I don't own a PlayStation, it's not been on my radar. And two, hearing the the floppage of it from yourself and other gamers that I talk to, it's one of those that I've just kind of fallen off with. Yay, they've got a DLC coming out, and yay, it may be the thing that brings it back, like Cyberpunk, three years down the line, finally get some updates and patches and stuff, and it's a great game. Maybe this is what it needs to re reignite the Forspoken fucking franchise, but you're putting a lot of eggs in a basket that's already fucking broken. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not I'm, a good idea. I'm not idea. saying for the game developers... It, it, for me, no, it's not a good idea. You know that the game has flopped so badly and you're now investing more money into it. And I will... I'm going to hate myself saying this, but it's kind of like Warcraft with the expansions. You're going to rile up some feathers I, here, mate. You're going to rile up some feathers I here. I do not hold any of Sam's views. Please don't come after me. Carry on, Sam. You've got Warcraft, which had really good expansions, but then... It, from a lot of people's perspective, it had a lot of bad expansions. And it was bad expansion after bad expansion to a lot of people. I was one of them until I went back and played it years down the line when things had been fixed and stuff. And yes, for me personally, it was good. But it's you're beating a dead horse with those sorts of things. Um, with Warcraft... I kind of think that it was going to be the death of Warcraft after the last couple of expansions. They were shit. But then I played them back again once everything had been released and the story had progressed more and more. And it was great. 
but for for spoken a brand new title that's come out and everything you're fighting against the likes of horizon and yeah. god of war and the other reboots of franchises and the brand new games yeah, the, the these hard hitting ips that already have a foundation are already beloved already have a solid core gameplay that they've already locked down then you've got this yeah. where I feel like you're right. I feel like they are trying to do a cyberpunk and thinking maybe the DLC will save it. But the issue, the difference is cyberpunk spent three years being one of the most hated games in the industry. They grafted with it. They rebuilt it from the ground up and got it working. New AI engines, new lighting engines, everything. And only then, after that, and loads of free content, only then did they sit there and go, right, here's a reasonably priced DLC. Yeah. Whereas this game's gone, oh yeah, we know a game's shit, but here I've, like, I don't know how long it's going to be, like, five more hours of content? I don't know, I don't think they've really revealed how long it's going to be. But the thing is, if they were really trying to kind of reignite the franchise and say, please, please stick with us and please give us time to work out the kinks with our game. And if they offered that DLC as Three con uh, as free content. I I am up for that, not because yay free stuff, but because they're like, look, we understand that there's a lot of people that have paid full price for this game, and it was shit. Here's some free stuff that hopefully shows you that we can do better. We are better. We are looking at the problems that were there and working on them. If that's the way that they're doing it, and that they offer it for free. I'm all for that. It's a redemption arc for that game developer and that franchise, which years down the line, if this DLC becomes great and really fixes all the problems from before, you're onto a winner. Yeah, because I love a good you, redemption you, arc. We've seen it with, like, we keep going back to Cyberpunk, but it is one of the most recent examples. We've had Cyberpunk, Des No Man's Destiny Sky, 2. Destiny 2, No Man's Sky. The way that these games were released, and everyone was like, ah, pretty shit. And now you look at them and they're so popular. But I do feel like the, the other issue with this as well is I'm just reading the article now is Luminous Productions, the people who made Forewarned, did that terrible with Forewarned. As of May the 1st, Luminous Productions doesn't exist anymore. They're being merged into Square Enix, which I've not seen a um, studio... Um, um, can I just correct yes. you? You were saying Forewarned, the indie Egyptian ghost huntery game for spoken sorry for spoken sorry Before they're so similar forewarned is still there guys and next community night with myself and yorkie <laughs> it's going to be amazing we will play some forewarned and show you how great it is but for spoken <laughs> however um yeah no for spoken the devs luminous productions get merged in square enix which i feel like that's a dangerous move merging that when a dlc's on the horizon that is ballsy that could that's that, that's that could fuck That's them completely. That's a big topic, though. But I wouldn't... The whole fact of smaller developers being merged into bigger developers, it's... For me, and I will only touch on this briefly, a small developer that's trying to make its way in the, in the world, creating a title, and then just being absorbed into another company or being bought out by a bigger company... It's destroying the industry. Yeah, well, I think with Luminous Productions, I'm not sure. Please, someone correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Luminous Productions was an offshoot of Square Enix to begin with anyways. 
but I don't feel like it's the same as like an indie dev being absorbed. I've not seen anything like this since, I don't know if you remember when Borderlands a pre-sequel dropped and the Australian offshoot of Gearbox. That game flopped so much that the Australian one, they all got fired and they just merged it back into normal Gearbox. The Australian branch of Gearbox does not exist anymore because Borderlands pre-sequel flopped so hard, which was a shame because I personally really like pre-sequel. But Me too. This game, not so much. <laughs> But I do feel like that's a ballsy move, though, to get rid of get rid of the uh, developer as they're releasing a DLC. But I don't know if that's because Luminous Productions, if it flopped, I don't know if they'd be dead. Well, they're already dead in the water, let's face it. But I wonder if that would be the straw that brought the camels back if they were standing on their own two feet when this happened. I feel like that might why soften the blow of poor sales of the DLC as well. I don't think the DLC is yeah. going to bring it back from the dead. No, I think there are game franchises that have done it well and it has been revitalized and brought back from the dead. But I think we've, as I I use the analogy again, it's beating a dead horse. That franchise, as sad as it is, because it could have been really fucking great. And really, I I must admit, when I do look at the, the trailer, it looks like a great game. But it's one of those, you're beating a dead horse now. It's It's done. You've tried to release it. It's not done too well. If you invest any more money into this, you're going to die as an actual um, development team. Yeah, well, I feel like Forspoken is going to be this generation's cautionary tale in a similar way to how Anthem was for previous generation. Uh, Yeah, that that was... It was a shame with Anthem, though, because where... Forspoken fails. I feel like Anthem actually succeeded. The gameplay was great. The gunplay was great. The graphics were fucking outstanding. It was just a lack of content. I'll tell you what. Um, if you're talking about that sort of stuff, Titanfall was one of those franchises, which was a polar opposite, because Titanfall 1 was primarily multiplayer-based with a shit yeah. single-player. Then Titanfall 2 got released. You're like, why the fuck are they continuing it with it when Titanfall didn't do too well in the grand scheme of things? Titanfall 2 comes out with a great gripping storyline and a great multiplayer online. And people are saying, look, Anthem's going to be the new Titanfall. No, Titanfall is uh, in a league of its own. It's it's very much like Destiny 1. Destiny 1... Again, another franchise. Destiny One was a great game. Loved every single aspect of it, from DLCs to single, like the original game. Then you had the likes of Destiny Two release, that flopped. But what they did was they knew that they could be better, and they listened to people. And then the DLCs for Destiny, it's one of the biggest games for this generation at yeah. the moment. Not as big as Call of Duty or Fortnite or whatever, but it's a really big game. And with the storyline of it and everything, they're doing so well with it. And it was like, they took that dead horse, they brought it back to life, and they've kept it going. And I know that it's an unpopular opinion because people will say, it's bad. No, you shouldn't play it. But it was their multiplayer open world Halo that we were all wanting compared to Infinite, which was... The open world Halo. No one asked for. Which we just, we, yeah. <laughs> I've still I, not, I I've still not played Infinite. Still not played Infinite. I've heard a few. But I've heard really I, mixed bag reviews about it. 
I, I played the multiplayer a little bit. It wasn't the same, but the single player, I think it was too much of a stretch. We got all the way up to Halo 5, and I think Halo 5 should have been where they cut it because it was the end that of the, was the, the downhill Canyon slope. story. Yeah. It was, but it was the perfect end to a, the, the, the duo companion story of Master Chief and Katana. Yeah. And the story that's been going throughout, don't keep fucking making games, hoping that it's going to live up to the same reputation and, and awe and marvel that it had beforehand, because it won't. Yeah. Move on to the next game franchise. It's like Gears of War as well. Gears of War, I loved the campaign up till three. Didn't really play four or five. Really do need to get into it. But See, I did I didn't mind four. It wasn't the best, don't get me wrong, but I actually kind of had a good time with it. I did play it co-op though, so maybe that's why. That's also why I liked Resi 5, because I played it co-op. But my main complaint was in the in the in Gears 4, they got you to I don't know a lot of people didn't like it, but I really liked the main character, who was Marcus Phoenix's son, he wasn't he wasn't perfect, but then he had like they give him in the first section of Gears Five, they give him kind of like a character redemption. He actually gives him some depth, and he's an interesting character. And it's like, oh, he's interesting now. But surprise, the tutorial's over. He's dead. Now you're playing as Kate in a Chosen One prophecy, and I fucking hate a Chosen One prophecy. But we're going to keep it moving because I'm worried that we're going to spend another hour on this topic like we did last time. So we're going to yeah, go from one, in, one game industry that can't move on to another. <laughs> the Last of Us PC port. Okay. <laughs> okay. Now, I'm probably not the best person to, to, to talk on this subject from the standpoint of playing The Last of Us uh, games. I have never played the last Me game. Me neither, so we're both going to upset a lot of people. Okay. Here. Following the TV show release and the absolute delight that it was to watch the entire first season of the TV show, I was so hyped up for the PC port. I had even got them... The, I got paid on the day that it was meant to release, which was March 3rd. I had the funds in my account and then they pushed it back another month for the PC release. And then I held off a little bit because, okay, they're, they're still working on stuff. They haven't done it. When it finally released and heard that it is a complete bug filled, unoptimized mess, it saddened me because it's one of those franchises I want to get my teeth stuck into because everyone I have spoken to that has played it has said that it was one of the best games. And I mean, if it's it is just like the TV show. But chat, look at that character in the middle. How can you not love that face? It's. Please tell me that's the that that's the Elias Grogu. No, no, that's the bushy-eyed, <laughs> really low-res Polly Joel from the PC part. But the P the PC part is fucking terrible. Um, it runs your CPU usage and GPU usage at like 100%. The graphics don't work. The map's invisible half of the time. Sinking's off. Everything's See, just this broken. This is what I don't understand. This is what I really don't understand. You've got... And th this is something completely taken away from The Last of Us being bad to... You've got the two big game developers or two console developers 
Microsoft and PlayStation. PlayStation does really good single-player games, but we barely get them over on the PC platform. I was We've waited years for the first of the rebooted franchise for God of War to come, and we finally got that. But when are we going to get for Ragnarok? Probably when you're 40. Probably. <laughs> what and uh, Horizon Zero Dawn. That is a great game, and that got ported over, and that's great. But when are we going to get Forbidden West? Again, when I'm 40. Then you take the other side of the coin where it's like Xbox. All of the Gears of War franchise, all of the Halo franchise, all of these people, all of these game franchises are on Game Pass for us to play. All of these exclusives are PC to play. And I understand that Microsoft is Windows and Xbox combined. But when you really get down to the nitty gritty, why, why are PlayStation keeping all of their cards close to their chest with it? Yeah, why but, aren't they? But when, I think when you look at the different, my- when you look at the different sides of it, it's like, like you said, you're waiting forever for the PlayStation ports to come, and then when you do get them, most of the time they're awesome. But how long have you guys been waiting for Last of Us, and this is what you get given? Whereas you look at Xbox, where Game Pass, it can be played on a Steam Deck on the go, it can play, be played on a console, it can be played at a PC. Uh, games like Microsoft, uh, they are Microsoft, sorry. Games like Minecraft that they own can be played on PlayStation, Switch, mobile, Xbox, PC. can be played everywhere. It's the most sold game of all time, I believe, as well. And it's theirs. And it's everywhere. Everyone can play it. And I do feel like when you are waiting this long for a port and then this is what they give you, regardless of the other titles you've been given, it is kind of like kicking you while you're down in a way, I do feel. Yeah, no, for sure. It's... um. It's one of those. Why, why is why does it take for so long for the PlayStation games to come over to PC when you've got other games from other developers that make it? They bend over backwards to make it on every single platform. Yeah. For instance, Minecraft. Minecraft is on every single device that you can ever think of. Fortnite is on every single device that you can ever think of. Why? Well, the, the, the exclusivity deals, that's all well and good, but it opens up the, the bullshit conversation of why the fuck are PlayStation so against all of these mergers and deals and buyouts of other companies to save the exclusivity, or to, to, to keep the games for their franchises and, and their console and everything, when they themselves are the worst people they create the best single player games and the narrative driven games i'm not going to deny them that but when sony as a company are trying to do everything in their power to stop the merger of bethesda and uh, uh, activision with uh, xbox can't they see that they're the they're one of the reasons that this is taking place. Yeah, Can't Sam, they see Sam, that... Sam just really, really wants a P- his PC part of Forewand in time for the DLC. That's what Sam really wants, isn't that right, Sam? Forspoken and yes. Oh fuck! I did it again. Yeah. I can't wait till next <laughs> week where we don't have to discuss that game because then I don't have to worry about it anymore. Yeah. 
I the the thing is, Microsoft aren't going to go out and buy stuff, and Microsoft themselves and Phil Spencer, biggest guy of Xbox, has turned around and said, "We're not here to fuck PlayStation over because in in the realistic world." PlayStation make us better, and we make PlayStation better. This this war between us is a healthy war. We're not doing it to fuck you over. We're doing it because these companies post-pandemic haven't done too well because they've had to lay off a load of people. What we want to do is rebuild these companies to be the best that they can be. And we're not saying that your exclusives are going to get cancelled and we're going to pull everything away and you're literally going to be left with Sony Studio games on the Sony Sony consoles. They're not saying that. But Xbox, are do, Xbox and Microsoft are doing this because PlayStation are fucking terrible with letting their exclusives go elsewhere. And I'll, I'll bring up the fact that ever since I heard that or saw that the... Last of Us port has been so shit. It's cheaper for me to go out by myself an old PlayStation 3 and a copy of Last of Us Part 1 on the PlayStation 3 and play it that method than it would be for me to pay 60 quid for a game that's been out for years now. And we're talking, they've got a second game. Yeah. But 40 quid for a game that's come out for years. But at the same time, I do get the argument, though, because there is obviously that thing on Microsoft's side where, because now they own Bethesda, there was that thing about the alleged PlayStation version of Redfall that got cancelled whilst already being in development. And obviously, I know they've denied it and said that doesn't happen, but then an ex-dev has said that it did and they did cancel it. And it's a, it's a tit-for-tat thing. We don't know who's telling the truth, who's not. But... It, it does very much feel to me like it's just an ex-dev who's been fired, who's got bad blood and thought, I know, I'm going to stir the pot. But if that is true, I do also get PlayStation's view there, where if a game is already in development, fair enough, they have every right to cancel it, because it's Microsoft property, but if the game's already in development the, and coming for a platform, it's a shitty thing to do to cancel it, if if people have already the, worked the, the on it. The thing is, that's where contracts and everything come from. That's why PlayStation would have agreed when Redfall was started uh, development yeah. that they were going to get a copy in of In a them. similar way and to what they should, did with Ghostwire that Tokyo, should be yeah. In writing. That should be in writing. And the fact is, Ghostwire Tokyo was given an exclusive contact, a, a contract on PlayStation for a year, was it? A year, yeah. Even though it was a Microsoft on title. And they respected that, they did. Exactly. We're only getting it Tuesday this, Tuesday, this coming Tuesday, I think. Exactly. But the thing is, it's not fr- from the console war. It was on PlayStation for a year exclusive, but it's been on PC for God knows how long, probably yeah. from the same amount of time. Yeah. And it's, I understand that each play, each console and each side need their own exclusives. I get that. But when I'm when PC players are being limited to, oh, you need to go out and buy our console. Yeah, a year or two or three years down the line to play one exclusive title that hasn't been ported over or has been ported over but is so shit and the best option for you to really do is go on Facebook Marketplace and pay 30 quid for a PlayStation 3 pay a tenner for a game, for The Last of Us CD and then buy, buy a controller for a tenner on Amazon but do you, fe- do you feel deal? like um, 
because obviously they've made the allegation of PlayStation that what Microsoft are going to do is make the ports from to PlayStation crap uh, to force people to go buy a console. Do you feel like this could be Sony pulling the same sort of one-trick pony on this side, porting shit stuff over to PC for people to sit there and go, all right, well, I'm going to have to buy a PlayStation 5 now and buy the newest Chinese version of Last of Us. Do you feel like it's a similar sort of strategy, or do you think it is just an unfortunate coincidence? I feel I, it, it, it's, I, my, my thoughts are a 50-50. 50% of me is thinking, yes, it is PlayStation's way of going, oh, yeah, we'll give it to you on PC, but it was going to be shit on PC, so you have to go out and, 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 buy, and, and buy a PlayStation and then the game remastered, which is going to cost you upwards of, like, 500 quid all in. But the other 50% of me is kind of like, it's a franchise that's already been established and the games are there. And I'm sorry, but the the games get run on a PC during testing. Yeah. You look at the background of all developers and they run on some sort of Linux, Mac or Windows machine as the first ground. And then they start converting the code for PlayStation to for the for PlayStation consoles. And it's something I'm very passionate about looking up this stuff. And when you've got, as I said, The Last of Us, which The Last of Us what, is a 10-year-old, if not older, franchise. It first came out on the PlayStation 3, and it's just come through and through and through and through and through. So why the hell is it so badly ported? And I think the reason that it's so badly ported is because the team that's doing the porting doesn't know why they're porting it. They don't have the passion to port it because it's an executive company with developers. It's not the gamers. Yeah. Sony Sony and Xbox both need to just sit the fuck down and go back to the basics of we are a company creating consoles and games for gamers because we are gamers. Yeah. But every single corporation whether it be a big developer or a big console developer they have lost that passion and they're not gamers anymore as much as i love phil spencer with his fact of everything's we 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 like the console war and everything they're more a corporation now they are just out to make money and when it comes to the fact of the last of us not coming over to PC properly, it's been ported badly. If that is attacked from Sony's perspective to get you to go out and buy a, a 500... If it's a, their attack to make you go out and spend 500 fucking pounds on a new console, it's shameful. Yeah. I want... It's the only reason that I want to get a PlayStation is to play those titles. I want to play God of War Ragnarok. I want to play The Last of Us remastered and everything. I want to play Forbidden West. And I know that the only way that I can I can play those games is if I spend 500 pounds on a console. Yeah. Which for people like you or I it's given some budgeting, it we is- can do it. Just speak for yourself, mate. I have a toddler. <laughs> I know my all my money goes down the pisser. I don't. I don't have any money to save for a console right now. 
But it's I do like, also I... think on the good side of PlayStation, I do think in a nice way they have utilized the PS4 hardware in a really good sense as well. Like Forbidden West and God of War Ragnarok, I played God of War Ragnarok on a PS4. Looks fucking outstanding. And the fact that they've done it in a sense that you don't really need to push for PS5 yet, I'll give them that. That's admirable. I really do think that. But like, but then like the only real offer for me to go get a PS5 is going back to the last point. Spoken. Why would I yeah. spend five hundred pounds to play for Spoken? I got the name right yeah. that time. Are you proud of me? I'm um, very proud of you. Um, just quickly on um, mazes, I've just had a look in chat. Yeah. Um, no, Maze, I do agree with you, and I do not believe it is Naughty Dog that is doing the porting. I believe they outsource it to another com- company, but that's where the issue lies. All of these things, all of these little processes and little uh, ports and everything, they're not coming from the developers themselves. The developers have passion for these things, Hence why they sold a contract to create a TV show regarding their game's franchise. So there is a passion there from Naughty Dog, but they've outsourced those things over to um, another company. The other company is just going to go, I'm going to transfer these zeros and ones to ones and zeros so that it works on another platform. And it's going to be broken. Well, it's a similar thing, like, to look at... I believe it was last year. It might even be 2021. I can't remember when it came out. But it's a similar situation to where GTA released the remasters for San Andreas, Vice City, and... Was it Liberty City Stories? It might have been... I can't remember. Was it 3? When it was 3. And rather than just port the actual games, they outsourced it to the people who made the mobile versions of it and the mobiles were a reba- were a part of a port already and then they ported that back onto consoles and it was shit the hate they got when they released they were unplayable and i feel like it's a similar situation now where like you said they've outsourced to get people that don't have a passion they've looked at the quick and easy answer on how they can just shift a port over not tested it put it out there and gone oh fuck it don't work like no shit a, a, a good example of that would be the i know it's a difficult thing to port but at the same time nintendo when nintendo get the ports for like assassin's creed 3 and the bioshock franchise and the metro franchise yes the hardware is not up to the scratch that was recommended and they have had to downscale stuff but even to that extent, it's 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 a cash grab. You can go off and you can get the Borderlands franchise on Switch and the Bioshock franchise on Switch. The reason that we liked those games was from the graphical side and the gameplay side. Now, the gameplay is still there, but on these platforms, I, I can't say much for these flat franchises, but it's not going to be as glossy fran- glossy graphics on that switch the switch hasn't got the the built-in capabilities what, what when i look- will give switch off that part of that thought is when they do like yeah when they do their exclusives their exclusives because they made for that hardware look great even when docked but i got one of my main reasons for getting my switch was because i wanted witcher on the go again going back to me being witcher obsessed when you're playing it on that small oh, screen yeah, I don't know if you knew. Uh, when you play, no, no, no. You, you don't give off the vibe, mate. I mean, I just thought that was some scribble on your arm. That's actually my Chinese order. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no. Like when you play Witcher Three on a Switch, on the actual Switch itself, 
it looks good, man. I'll give it that. It looks really good. It's when you dock it that it suffers. Which, if you're not bothered, like, if I, I wouldn't dock it personally. Anyways, if I wanted to play Witcher sat on my TV, I'd play on the, I'd play on my Xbox Series S because it looks yeah. beautiful. But yeah. the fact of it on the go, I can accept a little bit of downscaling. My issue is certain games like Overwatch porting over, where you see some frame drops, and the main issue with that is them consoles are not ergonomic. You need yep. a pro controller, and when you're using a pro controller, when you have to use a pro controller for a game, that removes any sort of bonus from it being portable, anyways. Because as soon as you use a pro controller, you need to stand it somewhere so you can hold the pro controller, or they need a bracket on the pro controller to hold the switch, which would just be so cumbersome and annoying and awkward. But I didn't At know that, that Borderlands point, yeah. was on Switch. I'm going to be picking them up when I get paid because I fucking love Borderlands. It, so so the games on there are the Game of the Year editions of Borderlands, Borderlands 2, Borderlands pre-sequel. And you can buy it as a pack. It's usually on sale for about $17.99. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't see uh, Borderlands 3 being on there because I struggled on that on an Xbox One X. That The frame drops on that was unbelievable. Like, I had that game and I couldn't play it for the first five months of having it until I got my new Xbox because it yeah. couldn't handle the game. So I couldn't see 3 being on Switch at all. But uh, circling back around to the to the topic, the yeah. Last of Us PC port, I am I am I am upset by it because I was so hyped. And if it had been released and it all came out perfectly fine, you wouldn't see me on Cyberpunk. You would see me just getting delved yeah. like delving straight in with both feet and getting my claws wrapped into the Last of Us. But because the PC port has been such a shocking disaster with bugs and just unoptimization, it, it, it generally does upset me. Yeah, but I feel like that, from that, a company that, that, like Sony with such a high-profile title like The Last of Us, it should have been better. The game deserves better. And the fact that if you Google The Last of Us, it's not coming up with the PC part issues, it's coming up with how much of a success the show was. Yeah. It's it, annoying. It's masking. Has, yeah. has dwindled. Yeah. Diminished what yeah, it, the the TV show has diminished the PC's port, which was meant to be yeah. like, oh, we're coming, we're going to make it so all gamers can play on it, minus yeah. like Xbox players. It should have been a celebration, but it's more of a spit in the face, which is such a yeah. shame because I, I've not played the game. Well, I have. I tell like, I've played the tutorial of The Last of Us. That's as far as I've got with it. I don't even think I've seen a clicker yet in that game, but. Just playing it's, that tutorial, it feels fucking amazing. The gameplay is amazing. I've seen the story because I've seen someone play it from start to finish. The story is amazing. The world building is amazing. The characters are amazing. That game is a work of art. And fair enough, in today's standard, I would argue that the game's kind of average. Back when it released, it did something and hit notes in people's heartstrings that no game had hit. It was when, a, it was it a work of released, art. Yeah. When it first released, it was... It was revolutionary because it was on that old. Yeah, it, it it was revolutionary when it first hit the PlayStation Three because that place it was a PlayStation Three exclusive when games were becoming something truly spectacular, and then it's just it's just gone further and further and further and further beyond to the point where. I'm going to use this and I, I coming out with it like fresh off my mind with The Last of Us as it currently is it's like a picture of a guy sat in a massage chair getting a massage like a back massage 
and really enjoying it at the same time being kicked repeatedly in the shins and so the, 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 there's a small child at your, your feet kicking you in the shins. And Are you making digs at me getting a massage chair for my living room? I feel like this is a dig at that. <laughs> why, would I, why would I be giving? Uh, uh, why would I be digging at you when that is literally going to be where I'm living? That's at the, the end only of reason you're coming round to my house at the end of the month is to use my massage chair. Yeah, as soon as you've done I, that, you're I, fucking I'll off give home. A fuck about you and the friends that I've made along the way. <laughs> I genuinely just want to sit in that chair and be massaged. But no, it's like you look at it and there's a guy stood there and he's getting him back massaged and that that's all to do with the TV show. And then you've got a little kid with the little name above like Last of Us PC port kicking you in the shins repeatedly. It's like really great. But you've had a really shit time with you this. You and me um, went with different analogies here. You've gone with a really PC one. Mine was going to be an asphyxia wank. Feels great, but you'll die. Like, that just shows how much my mind's in the gutter. Polar opposites for in terms of analogies. I prefer yours, it's very much more PC, but mine was in my head, so I had to say it. If this child comes in my no, room one more time, I'm just going to make him host the podcast. I mean, to be fair, it would probably be a better uh, co-host than you. Oh, he's, he's got a better beard. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right, shall we move on to the next subject, if there is yeah, one? Yeah, well, we have got one more, but I've decided to skip it simply for time purposes. So the next one is, obviously, we've done a weekly Q&A. We didn't get a lot of entries, mainly because we didn't put it up until a day ago. And um, the the podcast is still very new, so I have got read it up as a backup. I only got one actual entry that was good for reading out on stream. But so our question this week was: What's the most embarrassing, funny, wholesome kind of experience you've had on Twitch? I only got one entry that was good for reading, but it's a fucking good entry. It's uh, so uh, so finality from my. Uh, Communities, but he's since made all this shit private. But a guy called KJ once had blurps on, forgot they were on, and had someone play a realistic door knock. Well, this motherfucker lived in a rough neighborhood and he knew he was in home alone. So uh, on stream, everyone saw him run around his house with a baseball bat yelling, I ain't playing, motherfucker. Where you at? Assert yourself. Which I think is the best sequence of words I have ever read in my entire life. He's just gone from hood to uh, fucking medieval. Like, come hither, even I shall smite you down well, with my it, wooden bat. It, it's something I. <laughs> it's something I could see Chris Eubank saying. Say what again, motherfucker? I ain't, I ain't playing, motherfucker. <laughs> Where you at? Assert yourself. Now <laughs> <laughs> right, let's see what we've got in here. Let's see if we've actually got any funny ones. Um, just people talk. So there's a guy who said, uh, did a 24-hour charity stream for McMillan Game Changers, and because I didn't expect that much money, I set a joke donation goal for £500 uh, with the reward that I'd karaoke let it go from Frozen. Um, there was only a couple issues here. He never heard the song in his life, and he's tone deaf. Which, good mix. Um, yeah. And what he wasn't expecting was his community raised the £500 in 12 hours. So he had to do it. However, another community member who had been really affected by um, cancer in their own life, um, by losing a sibling, uh, oh no, it was a mother, sorry, um, had been raising money to donate to a cancer charity anyways. So because they did that bad singing the song, 
This person donated another £500 in one donation to make them do it again. Which I think is a work of art. And it's amazing. I, I think that is wholesome as fuck. That is wholesome like as that fuck. That money was already earmarked to go to that place. But to make someone do it, which may also increase the amount of money that they're going to raise for it. I mean, yeah. that's wholesome as fuck. And I'm, I'm all for that. That's like faith in humanity restored. Uh, someone whose uh, first language wasn't English was saying we should test this and um, got it wrong and said we should do testies. Uh, which I think is brilliant. There was another one that I saw which I really like. Uh, someone played in a Dirty Bomb tournament in 2017 while streaming to 20 to 25 viewers and they had a joke saying, because they never really got a lot of followers, they kind of hit a plateau uh, and said that for every follower they'll, they get, they'll do a shot of absinthe. Uh, oh, they, I, can, I can see this they got, going They got about 20 to 25 followers in the first hour of stream. Uh, was borderline vomiting, got really fucked up, and ended up losing a tournament that had a money prize. Someone um, was streaming, hit the stream ending screen, and uh, left thinking they'd ended stream but didn't, and slept for the entire night. Um, <laughs> when they woke up and they realised what they'd done, they were modified and ended the stream, and it turned out whilst they were sleeping, that was, a that was the most viewed stream they'd ever had, just silent on a just ending stream. I don't know if that's more <laughs> insulting or a, like an achievement. I, I would personally be insulted by that if people think my just, just ending stream is more, more entertaining than me. I, I would probably be like pissed off at that too. But at the same time, you look at all those stories where it is like, oh, I, I forgot to end my stream and I just went to bed. Luckily, I didn't do anything embarrassing, but I got more views while I was asleep unknowingly than I did do what that I than I do in my actual streams. Yeah. Why is this a thing? It, it raises a couple of questions, but also it's funny as fuck when it happens. Yeah. Some person needed to fart on stream, released it, silent but deadly. They nearly died all the way through it, trying not to vomit in their own mouth. But um <laughs> she they, it turns out they hadn't. Their girlfriend then walked in, wretched, and accused them of shitting themselves. It was all pointless anyway. Um, someone was someone someone was talking about rap. Someone was talking up. That's proper killed Sam as a silent but deadly one. It's funny because it's true. You know that time when you like you farted and you're disgusted in yourself. It's like okay, this is gonna be fine, and you fart, and all you can do is it lingers and it's like tickles your nostril, and it's like oh my god, I've done it multiple times, and I I don't want to be on this planet when that happens. I've I've just seen one here, Sam, that literally happened to us at the start of this, which is. Uh... Not a lot, but today my co-host on my podcast said my bum crack was showing. Which was you when you opened your door and your ass crack was on show. Uh, I did oh, see was one. It? Of, yes, I did tell you, but I don't know if you heard me. I can't find one now, but there was one I saw earlier which really made me chuckle, which was a guy whose um, English wasn't his first language and they were talking about music and he was on about how he really likes rap music. 
However, like I said, English wasn't his first language, and the dude went on a 20-minute talk about how he loves rapists. Um... <laughs> and, had, and had no idea um, and it wasn't so someone corrected him and said I think you mean rappers and he's like oh shit and then he realised what he'd said now I have an embarrassing story of my own I have more than one face it but I had the time I broke my chair where I was sat there I was wearing a full suit because I'd just come back from work and I felt sexy as fuck. I still had my long hair. I looked beautiful. And I was busy having a really narcissistic section uh, where I was just saying, oh, yeah, I look beautiful. Yeah, boy. Uh, and then the leg on my chair snapped. And all you saw was me disappear sideways. The first thud as I hit the bed. And then the second thud as the chair slid out from under me and I hit the floor. Uh, and everyone thought it was hilarious, but what actually happened was the chair snapped in a way that meant that when I went down, I cut my leg open. <laughs> it wasn't bad, but it fucking stung. Um, and yeah, all they heard was, oh, that's my chair broken. And then I had to disappear for five minutes whilst I took a broken chair downstairs, brought up a dining chair, and then sit there with a bad back, which then hurt for two weeks after because I really like twisted awkwardly. And, um, yeah, they all roast, they still roast me about that to this day. It's a, what I everyone's favourite clip. You deserve it, though. You deserve the roast. Yeah, my sister was devastated because she bought me that chair. Uh, Sarah, you know what? I'm going to make his life a misery at the end of the month, and I will bring it up every chance that I get so that he feels uber-like bad about it. Um, I think the only like embarrassing times I've had was being in VR on two different occasions and punching my monitor to the point where I got so mad that I punched it so hard that my my monitor broke. <laughs> I was playing, I think, Blade and Sorcery or something. And I was just, yeah, 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 yeah. And I swung, and I swung to the extent that the hardest part of this, uh, the Quest 2 controller hit the center of my screen oh, or one of no. my screens. And the spider web that just came from that threw me completely off. There was also the time that, well, there's a couple of times. There was the time that I was so tired in VR that I had fallen asleep in VR for an hour and a half. <laughs> in a, it, it gets worse. I was in a hot tub with a load of friends just chatting and everything. And I just, it's one of those moments, your head hits that point and it's like, yeah, I'm gone. Especially with how heavy I, them headsets can be. You can't help but just drop your head. So I was in, I was in my chair and I was like leaning back and we were just talking and everything. And then I just blanked out. I think I may have been drinking at this time as well, but I blanked out. And all I remember is my mate sending me voice clips of me snoring in VR with such like slow movements of like, <sighs> and then I think the last one is yes, Mandy referencing the fact of me playing spooky game, and I was Back so scared pants. of it. It was Horn Chaser, and I cacked myself every time the jump jump scare happened or a dick spell was played to the point where my headset had gone flying on multiple fucking occasions. 
I've got one here that it says, I was fiddling with my settings in my stream software once and accidentally went live for about four hours without realizing. Pretty sure I walked in front of my webcam butt naked during that time too. And the top cut, the top response to that is, did you get any followers though? Which I just, I just love that. I've also got one where, and this isn't even an embarrassing one. I just love the phrase. Someone was doing a speed run and died, and their response was deadpan. Just, well, that's not kawaii at all. Which I am going to steal that because that is beautiful. That is, that is something I could see you saying, Sam. I really could see you. It probably would be something I would say. You know what? I'd probably reference some anime or something if I'm honest. I mean, there was that time when I was doing a stream in drag and I was wearing a dress and I uh, I said thick thighs, brown eyes and a whole lot of penis and caught my leg up on the desk and gyrated and I'm pretty sure people saw up my dress. I mean... And I'm pretty sure there's a clip of that as well. I'm surprised I've not been TOS'd for that. I'm not going to lie. I mean, it was probably too small that they couldn't see it, so it's fine. Yeah, but my gooch. My gooch is a mile <laughs> long. <laughs> Uh, oh god oh no not me but Daxi DeFil I think I'm saying that right accidentally streamed themselves masturbating that's bad that is bad. I don't know how I feel about that um my sister's just put in chat I forgot on my PS5 you have to press the button on the remote to mute the mic the amount of online games I've been on where people have probably just heard me talking shit and eating and just go oh fuck Sarah, Sarah I I was thinking that that was going to go in a completely different fucking way I genuinely thought that it was going to be like oh yeah I went off to have a little bit of uh, fun times I forgot to mute my mic, so everyone in the Call of Duty Warzone lobby has heard me having the fun times. Oh no. I've got one here. The fact that that's your sister. Uh, I've got one here of someone who was new to streaming, and apparently they, uh, their chat, they'd not figured out how to like dock your chat on their streaming software. Uh, uh, so they didn't know that anyone was talking, and they forgot that scenes were a thing, so they did an entire four hour stream of League of Legends using only their face cam and no gameplay. That's got that's got to be gutting. It was Sarah that wrote the masturbation comment. Uh, I was playing I, I was playing Mafia 3 last night and forgot about the pin-up collectibles right in the middle of stream boom naked titties and stream ended and vod deleted. That's bad cuz I don't think that's one of the, I think I know which of they let it slide. I know there's like a new setting on Cyberpunk but I don't think Mafia has that. That's bad. Yeah, um, but it's also games that you wouldn't even expect to have boobs, but you finally unlock that one cutscene that's got boobs, and it's like that pit and of sorrow that just like forms in your heart. It's like, oh shit, okay, quickly end stream. I've got to delete the vod, and then it's like all that, all that progression and all that fun content is just gone. Got someone here who their most embarrassing moment uh, was they were living in Greece for six months and they enjoyed the nightlife there, so they got really hammered before stream. Uh, it was like a remote stream on the phone, I'm assuming by how it's read. Someone offered them a 50 euro donation if they um, put all the clothes in a fire bin and set them on fire. So then being drunk got start bollock naked and set the clothes on fire, then walked around the, uh, on stream naked. That's... That's one way to get banned, I suppose. 
Yeah. Um, I don't know how I don't know how I feel about that. Like, so what, what is your stance on those like donations that they expect you to do the thing that they've just donated for? Like, um, oh, 50, 50 bucks if you get if you get your willy out on stream. Like, if with, within reason, I like it. Like I've seen certain D and D streamers where it's like fifty. Uh, if I donate fifty quid, uh, you've got to kill your character. And it's like, oh, that's brutal. But I kind of get it because it's not breaking TOS. It's something you can have some fun with. And we all know with D&D, your character's not necessarily dead just because they've died. Um, or certain things like someone said, if we donate 100 to your stream, uh, you've got to give every single character in D&D a free level up. Stuff like that I like, and especially when people commit to it. But stuff like this, like damaging your own property or breaking TOS or doing something that you're going to regret on camera, one, I feel like people shouldn't do it. There shouldn't be any expectation for people to do it if you donate the money. No. Especially especially if you don't ask first, if you just donate the money, say, I've donated this, do this. They say, no, don't get shit. You chose to donate. You didn't have to, just like they don't have to do what you say. Um, but... I just feel like a lot of people commit to stuff for the money and they make that mistake and they get themselves into situations which aren't good. My biggest thing was committing to the fact that if people redeemed a, a thing, I'd eat a bean boozled because of my gag reflex. And I'm just like, nah, I don't even want to do that anymore. <laughs> uh, but I think we are at the one hour 50 minute mark. I think we've covered every topic we need to do. We've had a few embarrassing stories. I think it's a good spot to call it there if you want mate yeah i mean we could go on and on and we on about every on. single topic even more and it would be an eight hour stream i think this is a lovely time to finish it we've just come to the end of a couple of things uh on reddit so yeah i, th I think it i think it's good i think I've, I've, I've had a good time chat seems to have had a good time we've had a good time we've hit some topics we've had some deep conversations we've had some funny conversations um, so if anyone does want to keep on board with this, um, this audio will be going to Spotify soon. Once it's on Spotify and we've got that link starting going, I can start sharing the link around. Sam will start sharing the link around in his socials as well. So please keep an eye out for that going out. Uh, it is going to be, I think we've agreed two weekly, haven't we? Because uh, I stream yeah, every yeah, other Sunday as well. So no, bi-weekly means twice a week, Sam. We're not doing that. Fortnightly. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> That's the one. Yay! I'm not dyslexic. I'm just thick. Um, but yeah, so we're gonna do You're it. You're just for an advocate for us. Yeah, we're gonna do it. We're gonna do it fortnightly because I stream every other Sunday as well. So we're gonna alternate between my Sunday streams and the podcasts. But this will go up on Spotify. Um, keep an eye out in my Discord and Sam's Discords for um, the questions for Q and A feedback like we've done tonight in. Um, and then, like I said, once, once we've got the link, we'll do it. But I have been Yorkshire Bother. My tag is just down there. If you do want to go follow me on Twitch, it's at Yorkshire Bother on Twitch. Sam's Sam's and below I have him been as Dark well. MCR again, branding down there. Yeah, Dark MCR on Twitch. Do, feel free to drop us both a follow, and we will be back uh, in two weeks' time. <laughs>